0: Active FM presents Food, food for Thought for with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anstead. Radio, radio better, better, better. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. I ask that your word would be revealed to me today in a way that I would understand it, so that I can speak it, and do it, and see it change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We spoke last week about choosing your war, and you're going to have to choose your war. We spoke from James chapter 4, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. And we also saw that submitting to God is the key to spiritual victory. It starts with submitting to God and listening to Him. And realizing that if we completely yield to God, then it opens us up to the fruit of God. John 15 verse 7, But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. And then you will get the fruit. But the fruit comes from a genuine repentance. And if you haven't heard last week's sermon, I'd encourage you to go watch it. If you have heard it, I'd encourage you to go watch it again. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, when we get to the end of it, God wants His favor on you. He wants you to realize that you're living under His favor. But if the favor on our lives does not benefit the people around us, it's misused favor. And so we don't want misused favor. And today we're moving on from this, and the sermon today is entitled When Browsing the World, Choose DuckDuckGo. All right, so I don't know who knows what DuckDuckGo is. Raise your hands if you do. There's a few. All right, so if you don't know what DuckDuckGo is, um, I'm going to tell you about DuckDuckGo. So today all of you are going to know about DuckDuckGo. Tell the person next to you, I'm so excited. We're going to find out about DuckDuckGo. Those of you at home, tell the person next to you in the lounge or wherever you're watching. If you're busy working in a restaurant, tell the pre- people where you're working in the restaurant. If you're working somewhere else, at a at a, at a, at a store or somewhere, tell the person that are around you, today I'm going to find out about Duck, Duck, Go. Come on, tell them. Everyone you're watching, tell them. People are excited to find out about DuckDuckGo. So anyway... <clears throat> Yesterday, I was watching soccer. (laughs) There was a team named Manchester United that was playing. And after many, many years, since 2009, I think May, a, a man by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo ran onto the field for Manchester United. Can we just give the Lord the biggest round of applause for that? Amen. It was probably... The most watched sport event of the year. There were people at Old Trafford that hate Manchester United, but they were happy that Cristiano Ronaldo was back at Manchester United and not Manchester City in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It would have been a very blue Saturday if he was playing at Manchester City. Calvin, I would have killed you. You wouldn't be alive right now. And then on top of it, he scored. Not once. Not once. But twice he put them one null up just before half time. And I thought, no, this can't be. And even the commentator went, This is absolutely like a dream. And he ran and he jumped and he tools and he goes, You know what I'm saying? He does that thing. And then later the team they're playing Newcastle, they equalise, and then another scores again. And he runs to the other corner and he does the thing and he goes Amen. Even even the Newcastle fans were happy. Now, I want you to think about that. All right. I mean, he was walking off, trying to look serious as he's walking off at half time. And the whole stadium is just singing, Viva Ronaldo! Viva Ronaldo! They're singing, and it's like loud. And eventually, a smile comes on his face. He couldn't help it. And he starts looking, and then he starts clapping to the crowd like this. You know what I'm saying? Now, <clears throat> with Ronaldo, he's come back, and probably out of all the clubs he could have gone to in the world, there's no club that he would have been loved like that one. No offense to Manchester City. That, that, that wouldn't have happened. They just would have used that to rip off the Manchester United fans. And I want to tell you that that kind of love, which those fans have for that guy, in fact, later on they were interviewing him after the game, and he had to put headphones on, and, and you could hardly hear him because the crowd was singing so loudly. Now, <clears throat> that kind of love, that those fans have for Cristiano Ronaldo and he has for those fans, is nothing compared to the amount of love that God has for you. And this is what I want to speak to you about today. You see, one of the reasons why you um, you don't understand that probably, is because of Duck, Duck, Go, And you're not using DuckDuckGo. So now you're thinking, okay, but what in the world is DuckDuckGo? Well, many years ago when the internet was first starting in the 1990s people basically used to search the internet blind it was actually very difficult to search for things in the early days on the internet and then you started getting this thing called internet explorer and things like that it got a little bit easier but it wasn't until the early 2000s when this one little thing called google came along and it made things easy and i remember the first time it was in 2003 in about january 2003 Um, we wanted to search for something on the internet, and one of the guys who was working on the team that I was managing at the time, he types in Google, and I said, what in the world are you doing? We're not looking for that. And up comes this thing, Google, and then he searches, and I see, yo, this thing works really well. And so from January 2003, I started using Google because Google made things easy. And in those days, in the 2000s, Google used to be the internet on your computer. And basically, you could find out anything using Google. And within a year, all the pastors were using Google to find out information for their sermons. You know, before you used to go to commentaries, and you used to go to lexicons, and you used to go to all sorts of things. And now you just typed it in on Google. You could even type in a Bible verse. Bam. You could type in commentary on the Bible verse. Bam. All the commentaries would come up. And now you could really look clever as a pastor. And... This became such a good tool that (laughs) what was the internet search became listen, just Google it. All right, or if people got sick, they would Google it. And then Google would tell them, You're going to die in three months. You got those symptoms, this, you got this, and that, and the next cancer, you're going to die in three months. However, in recent years, people have developed a, a problem with Google. Firstly, they track you. You know those things where you're talking about something and the next thing on your phone you get an SMS or a WhatsApp or you're on Facebook and the next thing you see an advert. So they track you. And secondly, they censor you now according to their beliefs. If they don't like your search, then what your search produces and what your search comes back with is all of these things called fact check. You know, fact check. There was a, a testimony that was given in the U.S. Congress in, uh, in, in the early part of, t- uh, let me just work, yeah, in the early part of, that uh, no, was actually the late part of 2019, and um, one of the topics of this testimony that was given before, before Congress by someone who actually supported the Democratic Party of America, and the Democrats had actually won the midterms and put a whole lot of problems for Donald Trump at the time, and um what this guy said was that looking at what had happened and the way that um, things that happened behind the scenes, that Google, through through, uh, search engine results and all that sort of thing, had moved between 6 to 10 million votes from the Republicans to the Democrats in the U.S. midterm elections in 2018. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is to tell you today the power of what it means if you can, um, you know, just... um, Search engine results, and there's a term that is that has become all too familiar for many people who are on the internet, it's called censorship. And so, in order to escape tracking and to escape censorship, new se- search engines appeared. And so, enter DuckDuckGo. If you go to Google and you type in DuckDuckGo, and DuckDuckGo comes up as one of the options, you go into the DuckDuckGo site, it's a search engine. And then what happens is you go and you type in your, your, your search criteria for whatever you want to search for, you get a very different outcome. In fact, myself and uh, Calvin over here and where is Cynthia? Cynthia over there, she's gigs. We do a show every Friday called The Political Show. And uh, Cynthia was actually searching for certain stuff for the show about quarantine sites and all sorts of things like that. And she did a Google search, then she did a DuckDuckGo search, and the results were very, very different. And so, I transitioned to DuckDuckGo a number of years ago as a result of this. And now I want to just say to you, so now you know what DuckDuckGo is, right? Go do your internet searches on DuckDuckGo from now. Tell the person next to you, go use DuckDuckGo. You ask me, why is it called Go? I don't know. I have no clue. But anyway, you know, you, you're probably not going to forget that name. Everything is censored. And... The world is like Google. Every piece of knowledge you get from the world is censored. If you're searching in the world for knowledge about anything, all you're going to get back is fact-checking things when it comes to the promises of God. Fact-checking saying, no, this is not true. This was just a coincidence. No, this is impossible. No, God isn't real. No, God can't do that. And so... I want you to think about how the world looks at things versus how we look at things according to the bible so how does the world look at things everything that the world takes in is filtered by censorship and it's a censorship often of offense and people get offended because most people believe that they're good people most people believe That they are awesome, they are spectacular, that they always do the right thing. And they they then judge others' actions based on what they think about themselves. They judge themselves on their motives. So even if things go wrong, they, they don't judge themselves on the outcome, they judge themselves on the motives. But they judge other people on the result. They judge other people on their actions. If the other person says, but I didn't intend for that to happen, they don't care. They also judge others based on a statement. And the statement that they use goes like this, I would never do that. Yeah, but I know I do stuff wrong, but I would never do that. There's no ways I would ever do that. And you know, it's very comfortable when you judge yourself based on what you would not do because the chances are the things that you do they would also probably not do and so this is like a censored search everything that you take in is censored by this judgement and so we judge others we all like to complain about being judged but we judge others and when we judge others there's something that we prove what we prove is this whether we're Christians or not, we know the moral law of God. It's instinct. The moral law of God is instinct. So Romans chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 says this, You therefore have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, I want you to think about what that's saying. You judge someone else, and now you're judging yourself because while you're passing judgment on them for doing it, you're doing the same thing, and now you're going to stand before God, and God is going to judge you based on how you judge other people. The Google search which tells me, no, I'm fine. Everything's perfect. They're such a terrible person. But you're going to stand before God, and now you you don't know the Bible. You, you never grew up in church. And so you don't know all of the things that the Bible says are wrong or right. But God says, no, no, you judge other people. And then in verse 2 it says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So God is going to say, He's going to take the truth of your judgment, and then he's going to rate your life against that. And then it goes on in verse 3 and it says. So, when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? You know, when you stand before God and He says that was wrong, you go, oh, I don't know that. God's going to lay out all the times you did it. And then it says in verse 4 or do you show contempt? for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And here's what I want you to realize. Everyone knows God. Everyone knows God. Somewhere in their lives, every single person comes to the point where they know God. They know he's real. They know he exists. And they come face to face with a decision, am I going to accept him or not? Somewhere every person gets a chance to decide. And here's what's very important to understand. We judge others when we believe they've done wrong. So for example, we judge people for lying. And when we judge someone for lying, that proves that the law of God is written inside of us. It's in our DNA. It's in our hearts. And so one day when we stand before God and God starts asking us about the time that we've lied, we're not going to have an excuse. There's not going to be anything that we can say. Any justification, any, any mitigating circumstances to get out of it we're guilty and therefore the question there's a question many people have asked over many years yeah but what about those who've never heard about Jesus in the gospel maybe many of us have asked that question and what, what does the Bible say they have no excuse earlier on we read it from Romans 1 we all know about God his law is written on our hearts So those people who grow up outside of church not knowing about God, they know something inside of them, they know what's right and wrong and they know that God exists and somewhere along the line they will face a point where they need to make a decision. Those outside the church will be judged by the same judgment they use to judge others. The judgments that we've made when we judge other people Create the law that God will judge us by. And how many of you realize straight away we're doomed? We're doomed. Just take lying. We all get upset when people lie to us. Why? We're judging them. How could you lie to me? How could you not tell me the truth? And we we judge them, but we've all lied. So we're doomed. But on the other side, if we live by the law, we will die by the law. And the, the law we're talking about is the law of God. Look at what verse 25 says. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. So in order to get into the Old Covenant, which is this is what Paul was talking about to Romans, to get into the Old Covenant, your boys, your sons had to be circumcised by the time they were eight days old. So this is the law and it says circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you've become as though you had not been circumcised. So what's the point of being circumcised if you break the law? Because Circumcised or uncircumcised, the moment you break the law, you're the same. Verse 26. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is circumcised physically and yet obey <coughs> the one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, even though you have the written code and circumcision are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And the circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So now, okay, now we're talking about the people who grew up in the church. So we like to keep the law. We like to keep the law on the outside. For a Jew, the law was circumcision. For us, it's looking like good Christians. For us, it's like walking with a Bible under our arms. But if you are circumcised and you break the law, then you are just like the uncircumcised. So I want you to think about what this is saying. It says if you are in the church, but you break the law of God, then sometimes non-Christians are better than you. And many of us have said that, haven't we? Yeah, the people outside the church are better the people inside the church. If you are judged by the law, you have to keep the whole law all the time over your whole life. You break that law once, in your whole life, you're a lawbreaker. Listen, one lie you've ever told will put you in hell. That's what this is saying. And what is the end result of this? In Romans 3, verse 10, it says, As it is written, and now I want you to listen very carefully what this says. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, Their, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Now, I want you to think about this. There is no one that is righteous. No, not even one. I mean, he doesn't just say there's no one that's righteous. He says there's no one that is righteous. No, not even one. So we judge others, but meantime, there is no one that is righteous. And because there's no one that is righteous, we don't have anything to offer God. Because every one of us has turned away from God. And we turned away from God when? When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. And so as a result of this, in the eyes of God, we have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then you say, oh, how can God say that? Well, let's look at the description of people. He says, their throats are open graves. Deceit is practiced by their tongues. People are full of lies. People say whatever they need to say to get people to do whatever they want them to do. It says there's poison on their lips. They slander other people with their lips. They put other people down with their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing. What is cursing? It's swearing. It's blasphemy. It's slander. It's, it's offense. It's resentment. How many times do you say terrible words about people just because you resent them? We sin. And, and yes, the problem with sin. Wherever there is sin, there is blood. Which means wherever there is sin, there is death. And then we refuse peace. We refuse peace because we go around our whole lives demanding our own way. We want our own way. We want it our way. What about me? What about me? I want it my way. I want my thing, my thing, my thing. And most important of all, there is no fear of God. Just look at the world we live in. Just look at the world we live in. We don't care that we'll face God one day, and we don't even care about the fact that we'll have to give an account. And, 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 and I, I want you to think about these words that it says there. No one is declared righteous in God's sight by the law. No one. No one. All the law does is it makes us conscious of our sin. And everything I've said you will find in that passage that I read from Romans chapter 3. And so what is the result of it? Whether we under the law or whether we're not under the law whether we know the law of God or we're not under the law of God we're doomed we're finished and our censored searches, looking for information from the world does not tell us this we think we're good people now God is telling us we're not good people and now we say no I think I'm a good person what do you think God thinks of that he says, how can you tell me you're a good person? You don't even respect me. I created you. I gave you life. You don't even honor me. You don't tithe. You don't, you know, it, it's a battle to get you to go to church. You, we, we struggle to get you in cell. We tell you about life class, and you say, no, I'd rather go to death class. Go listen to death metal. Jing, jing, jing. Oh, we going to drink blood. Ah, oh, zing zing jing. jing, jing. And so, whether we're under law or not, we're doomed. And until we get to this place, there is no hope. Until we realize this, until we understand that we're doomed, there is no hope. Because until you understand this, you do not know why you need a Savior. But here's the thing, when we get to the end of ourselves, Jesus saves the day. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 24, it says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. So in other words, what he's saying here, the law and the prophets, so the law, which is the the, the moral code of God, and the prophets, which give the message of God, they both testify to a righteousness from God, which has been made known. So God says, no, no, you can be made righteous and I've made this righteousness known. And then it says in verse twenty two, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a good person, if you are just involved in doing work for NGOs, non government organisations, public benefit organizations, you know, charity work, and you just you, you're helping the poor and you're helping the illiterate and you're helping this and you're helping that and you're helping everyone you into women's rights and men's rights and children's rights. And old people's rights and everyone's rights. You know, you, 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 you make the mother, mother Teresa look selfish. Even if that's you. Alright? There is no difference between you and the serial killer who's murdered 92 people and is sitting in prison for life. There's no difference between you and that fiancé um You know the 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 the, 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 the guy that that in, killed of Pule. There's no difference. That's what this is saying. In verse 23, it says, "Why, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are doomed." And then, but then verse 24 says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So we have to understand without the cross, without the blood of Jesus, we're bad people. When we say we're good people, we're blasphemous. But when we can't find righteousness god has made the way to righteousness known and the prophets testified to this and the way to righteousness was where jesus came and he perfectly kept the law and after perfectly keeping the law for 33 and a half years he died for us and that that blood that was shed on the cross of calvary that blood because jesus perfectly kept the law because jesus Uh, perfectly followed the will of the Father because Jesus was totally led by the Holy Spirit because Jesus did everything perfectly that blood that was shed on Calvary has the power to wash away all of our sin the starting point of everything is that without that you have nothing Without, without that there's no point anyone even chirping you about anything in the Bible Because it starts there. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need salvation. Every one of us looked desperately poor before God. Every one of us. But by our faith in Jesus, we can be redeemed. Because we were bought back at a price. And that was the price of His blood. The price of His blood. Why? Because He paid for our souls with his blood he paid for our souls and he offers us a gift and this gift is what we call grace doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter where you've been if you will put your faith in jesus and if you will repent and if you will come before him then you can receive the gift of a righteousness from god that comes from apart apart from the law in other words apart from what what we can do what this word grace means is that we are justified and that is the declaration that we make by the blood of Jesus we are justified and God has made it as if we've never sinned I mean I really want you to think about that the Bible's very clear one lie is all it takes to send us to hell one lie one time where we stole something is enough to send us to hell one time that we looked on someone else with lust is enough to send us to hell one time calling our brother a fool Jesus said one time one time just one time is enough to send us to hell but the word redemption means this it means we were bought out of the kingdom of satan by the blood of Jesus we were bought out of that kingdom he paid for us He paid for our visa to heaven. We were brought out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of Jesus, the Son of God. And you know, from the day that we're saved, everything becomes about a a battle. Our mind that wants to go back to Google. Our mind that wants to keep going back to the world and the way that the world thinks. To a place where we start thinking of ourselves as kingdom citizens. And the kingdom that we're a part of is a kingdom where Jesus is king. It's not a democracy. You don't vote for your king. He's just given you the privilege to have citizenship in that kingdom, which means he will look after you. And if you're not in that kingdom, then the devil is your king. And when the devil is your king, your king wants your destruction. Your king wants you to be destroyed. Jesus, your king, wants your success jesus your king wants your destiny he wants your destined purpose to be fulfilled jesus your king wants your presence with him to rule and reign with him for eternity grace means it's free it's free to us because the price is already paid And because he paid the price, he owns it. He's holding it. And now because it's his, he's able to dish it out to whoever he wants to. And who does he want to dish it out to? Well, he actually wants to dish it out to everyone. But he won't dish it out to everyone. He only dishes it out to those who will receive it. You see, in order for this grace and this freedom to come to you, you have to receive it. The only price that you pay is that you give him your heart. You give him your heart. Other than giving him your heart, you can't earn it. I want you to think about how incredible our God is. If you you think about it, he created everything. Every planet, every star, every uh, uh, galaxy the solar system, the planets that are in our solar system the the moons and the asteroids, everything the forces that let these things spin around each other everything was created by him, everything there's nothing he didn't create so therefore he owns it all even our lives he owns them that's why we have to give an account to him because He gave us those loves, and we're going to account to Him one day for how we use that love. There's nothing we can give to Him. But you know what? God did things in such a way that He said, there's one thing I will not give myself. There's one thing that I give you the power over that only you can give it to me. And that is the power of your heart, the power of your will, the power of the decision only you can make. God cannot give himself your heart because he gave you free will. Imagine if you were God. Imagine trying to put a system like that in place where you actually give people something that only they can give you. All the money in the world, hey, God gave you that money in the first place. You can't give it to him. All the good deeds in the world, you can't give it to him. He gave you the ability to do those Good deeds in the first place you know maybe you've good academically you get very high marks at school or at university whatever You, you know what god gave you that ability he gave you that intellect maybe you're good with your hands you can build stuff you know what god gave you that ability there's nothing you can give god that he didn't already give you he doesn't need you to give i mean we think we're so good when we build things but you know in comparison to what god built really what 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 we build isn't that impressive is it but you can give him your heart when you give him your heart you trust him that trust is faith understand we must be careful about judging others because we're all in the same boat we all need salvation let me just give two scenarios vix was obviously talking at the beginning of the service about that video that we showed at the encounters of. A woman I mean think about this a woman who was a porn star pornography a pornography star she would make movies where she's having sex a pornography movie now she's a pastor she's married to a pastor her and her husband are pastors and what was the key thing that comes out of there? none of us are beyond salvation none of us are beyond it but you know what that porn star and the other person who lives in what the world thinks is an upright life done all the right things and this person's got pride I'm telling you now this person's got pride let me tell you one, one example of why they got pride because this person looks at the porn star and looks down on them this person believes they can be good without God at least the porn star knows they've wrecked it. So the only difference between the person that we'd see as good on the outside and the porn star is that this one knows they've messed up. This one doesn't. So if you know, if you know you've messed up and you know you can't fix up with God, you're in a good place. Because last week we looked at the fact God resists the proud. He doesn't resist the porn star. I mean the porn star needs to change don't get me wrong but he doesn't resist the porn star he resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble what does it mean to be humble well this is what we've been saying i come to god and i say lord i repent oh lord let my joy be turned to mourning lord i'm weeping why i can't save myself please save me and then i put my faith in him and what jesus did on the cross and the Bible actually says that this is such a powerful thing that God does that the moment I give my life to Jesus and I genuinely repent and I want to change then the Bible says as Jesus goes in the world so am I he starts judging me by what Jesus did because if he judged me by what I did I'm finished I'm finished if you want to know often I've said God just asked my wife because most of the times when I've upset to, I've upset him too. Am I right, fixer. Because I'm my girly. What do you always say? Yes. So it doesn't matter. All of us that are part of the service, we need the same salvation. We need exactly the same salvation. But God loved us enough that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. And the solution is so easy. It is so easy for us to be called what. 2 corinthians says is the righteousness of god in christ jesus it's so easy to receive that. how do we receive it romans chapter 10 verse 8 and 9 says this but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith that we preach listen to what this says in verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved saved from what everything we've been talking about today that's what you're saved from all the rubbish stuff all the yuck stuff all the bad stuff all the the stuff that's going to kill you you'll be saved and the blood of jesus will wash all of your sin away i I want you to think about this if the blood of jesus can turn a porn star into a pastor it's the greatest miracle that we've ever seen the change of a human life like that is the greatest miracle we could ever see and that's why a wise man once said go and start doing your searches on duck duck go or what is the proper spiritual term start doing your spiritual searches via the grace of God via the cross via Calvary via what Jesus did for you he has saved you but you have to receive it what do you have to do confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord what does that mean he owns you and believe in your heart that god is raising from the dead so god has the power to save you god has the power to one day raise you from the dead too that's what you're saying that's all you have to do and your eternal death is at stake this is this is an eternal matter And, and i just want to say maybe you're sitting in the service and you're saying i'll do it later you haven't got time later listen the the enemy is working overtime to stop you from getting this he's working overtime he, he, he fights all the time to stop you from getting this so you need to come to the altar right now because the altar sanctifies everything the altar takes everything that is filthy and rotten in his sight and turns it into something that is righteous that is right with him and don't think that you you you're going to be more effective later or don't think that there's ever going to be a time where you're going to be ready to do this you come to him because you're never going to be ready until you accept him and you receive the gift the moment you receive the gift of salvation then in that moment the moment you receive his grace then you you're ready till then you're not ready and when you when you when you respond you're replying to god and you're saying lord this is the time lord I want to give my life to you right now Lord I want to submit to you completely right now I can't wait until later because if I wait until later I don't know if I'm going to make it I don't want to live my eternity far from you Lord Lord I want to live with you close by my side right from this day forward forever because I want to know that when death comes knocking on my door that it won't affect me because I'll be with you for eternity that's what I want that's what you're saying and so right now I'm going to ask you to close your your, your eyes and if you're here at one of the other sites if you're feeling you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or maybe you're needing to recommit your life to Jesus then I'm going to ask you right now just to raise your hand you're coming to Jesus and you realize you know what I need a savior some hands have gone up Yeah. wherever you're at some more hands have gone up Some more ends have gone up. Whatever site you're just raise your hands. The site leaders, please check them out. If you're at home, I'm going to ask you right now that you would send an email to info at Just send an email to info at with your contact details so that we can contact you. Because we'd love to help you on this journey. And just say, I've given my life to Jesus or I've recommitted my life to Jesus. Just do that right now. Do that right now. I'm going to ask everyone just to put your right hand on your heart. If you're here at one of the sites, please fill in the slip that you'll be given. Please fill in the slip. We'd really like to support you as you put your right hand on your heart I want you to visualize Jesus hanging on the cross for you the Bible says that this Jesus hung on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago he is the same yesterday today and forever and the same blood that had the power to 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 save you when it when it dropped over 2,000 years ago that same blood has the power to wash your sins away right now and if you put your faith in Jesus then he will wash away all the outstanding debt that you have with God. The debt that comes because of sin. And his work stands once and for all. As long as you put your faith in him, that work stands. He sorted out your sin. The blood of Jesus was shed and it's the price that was paid to wash all of our sins away. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat after me as we pray. And I'm going to ask those of you raise your hands or you send in the email or whatever. That you would just believe this amen just believe this and by the way if you never raised your hands or if you haven't sent the email you can do so now after the service nothing's stopping you you can still just believe this right now as you pray it and put your faith in the lord he will save you let's pray Say, so lord jesus today i recognize that i'm a sinner i repent of everything i've done wrong i renounce of i, I renounce my life of sin and i accept the sacrifice that you made Because I know it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin. That you'd set me free from any sickness and from any pain. And Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid. That there is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as though I've never sinned. And by your blood I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. I'm willing to serve you today, Lord, from now on. And so I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I thank you, Jesus. Amen.